Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, I'm Jeff Semple, the host of Russia Rising, and I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might enjoy. It's called Crime Beat, and it's hosted by Nancy Hickst, a crime reporter for Global News for over 20 years. In this new investigative podcast, Nancy takes you deep inside some of Canada's most high-profile criminal cases. Each episode will take you inside the story to give you details you didn't hear on the news. These stories have left a lasting mark on Nancy, and there are many things that she witnesses and experiences while covering a case that she would like to share with you, with a full behind-the-scenes look at all the twists and turns. Here's a sneak peek from episode two of the series. And while you're listening, search and subscribe to Crime Beat for free now at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying this podcast. A listener note. The following preview contains content of an adult nature. Listener discretion is advised. As a journalist covering the Crime Beat, I don't work regular hours. It's not uncommon for me to get a text or a call in the middle of the night, on a day off, or even while I'm on a beach enjoying a vacation. And when news breaks, most times I drop whatever I'm doing and get as much information as I can. I also get a lot of emails, phone calls, and messages on social media. On a typical day, I sort through hundreds, if not thousands, of items in my inbox. But there are certain messages that tend to stand out. I'm Nancy Hickst. I'm a crime reporter for Global News. And today on Crime Beat, I want to share an incredible story of survival. One that sounds more like a movie than real life. It's the story of a man who dodged a bullet and lived to tell the tale. One day, not that long ago, a media release was sent out by police. Officers were asking for help in finding someone considered armed and dangerous. Those words always grab my attention. Our CMP officers were trying to track down a couple wanted for attempted murder. RCMP have issued a public warning for two people on the run from police in Alberta at this hour. Police released photos of the pair. The girl looked young, but kind of unremarkable. Nothing about her appearance really stood out to me. But the man police were trying to find, he didn't look like someone you'd want to mess with. Andrew Wanch was 30 years old at the time. A tall guy, broad, with a muscular build. But his tattoos really made him stand out. These weren't ordinary tattoos. I'm not one to judge based on someone's appearance. I have a tattoo myself, to each their own. But these were different. He had them on his face and neck, and they looked like they were meant to be intimidating. He also had some pretty explicit ink on his hands, 
words I don't even want to repeat. If a tough guy image was what he was going for, Andrew Wanch had nailed it. Police released a description of the vehicle the couple was likely driving, and officers included a special warning. Wanch and his girlfriend were believed to be armed and dangerous and should not be approached. It was three days before police were able to track Wanch down. He was facing a long string of charges, including attempted murder. Good evening. A province-wide hunt for a man accused in numerous crimes, including attempted murder, has ended. Andrew Wanch is now behind bars after being on the run for a week. The end to the manhunt for Wanch was so significant, the mayor of the town where he committed his crimes spoke out about the arrest. Our RCMP detachment and its officers worked very hard to make this breakthrough in the case which led to the arrest. We're all very relieved any time people associated with this type of crime are arrested and we pride ourselves on a smaller, small town feel community where people feel safe. Police said Wanch and his girlfriend went to a rural residence outside of Sylvan Lake, Alberta. That's about an hour and a half north of Calgary. It's a town that attracts a lot of tourists, especially in the summer. It's one of the nicer, swimmable lakes in Alberta. And when you live on the prairies, people tend to take advantage of a nice beach and some water to play in. The home Wanch was accused of going into wasn't far from town. Police alleged he went into the house and demanded money and jewelry from the couple who lived there. Wanch was also accused of firing a gun at the homeowner before taking off and spurring the manhunt by police. Everyone in Sylvan Lake knew the homeowner. He was a very successful businessman. Police confirmed he was truly an innocent victim, meaning he had no ties to any kind of criminal activity. In a lot of home invasion cases, it's bad people targeting bad people. And police made it clear that wasn't the situation here. It was much later that I came to find out the victim's name in this case. I'll introduce you to him in a little bit. But right now, let me take you back a few years. Before making the move to Global News in Calgary, I got my first job as a reporter right out of journalism school working at a smaller station in central Alberta, about an hour and a half north in Red Deer, called RDTV. The station is now gone, but I have fond memories of my time there. My first full-time role was a producer and co-host of a lifestyle-type program that aired on TV over the noon hour. It had a mix of everything from fashion and cooking to music and pop culture. But it was the afternoons after that show was done that I looked forward to. That's when I would volunteer to report for the evening news. I loved covering a hard news story, and early on, I would do things other reporters shied away from, like knocking on the doors of criminals, asking tough questions, holding people accountable. And I had a passion for covering anything court or justice-related. It wasn't long before my boss called me into his office and said he had a beat he thought I'd be good at, the crime beat. I jumped at the opportunity, and that was the beginning of what would turn into more than two decades covering crime. I'm telling you all of this because, as it turns out, I actually met the victim of Andrew Wanch 
back in those early days. To say he was a successful businessman is an understatement. He was a millionaire. His name is Randy Safronovich. When I found out he was the victim of the home invasion and attempted murder, I jumped in the truck and headed north to Sylvan Lake. I needed to talk to him about his brush with death. Randy's house is really amazing, the kind you'd expect a millionaire to live in. It's been renovated since I was there last, but it still has the same gorgeous view overlooking Sylvan Lake. You can see for miles, clear through to the Rocky Mountains. Hi, Randy. Hi. How are you? Come on in, guys. The inside of the home is gorgeous, with rich woodwork and rustic details. There's a real bear rug in front of the stone fireplace. I could tell Randy was nervous, jittery. He was having second thoughts about the interview. It was obvious he was still reeling from what he had just gone through. Finally, with what seemed to be his 10th cigarette of the past hour in his hand, he agreed to sit down with me in his living room and talk. No pressure, just chat and see how it goes. I had to ask, had he seen a counselor? His eyes welled up with tears. A bottle of rum and good friends is the best counseling. <laughs> I guess I happened to see a counselor a little bit, but uh, they really don't deal with this. It's just something you got to work out yourself. Whatever happened to Randy was big. I just got done working, and it was about nine o'clock at night. Sat down, gonna have a drink and relax for the evening, and somebody came up to the house here, uh, and I assumed he was a customer. And so I went to the front door to greet him. At that time, he was running his office for his storage company out of his home. So it wasn't unusual for customers to stop by to pay bills. He invited the man inside. Fairly good sized guy, wired tattoos all over me. I had a pretty uncomfortable feeling. So I had my phone charging in the kitchen. So I went to the kitchen. I said, excuse me for a sec, went to the kitchen, grabbed my phone, flipped it on to record. And, uh, come back and I said so how can I help you he says well he said actually I'm here to help you Randy was confused it made no sense how is this guy going to help him the man's answer took him completely by surprise he says you owe somebody a hundred thousand he said I've been tw paid twenty thousand come out here and break your arms and legs and uh, he says but he says I checked you out you seem like not a bad guy he said uh if you give me the 20 grand, he said, uh, I don't like the guy that hired me. I'll return the favor to him. But Randy didn't owe anyone that kind of money. He knew the guy was lying. But that didn't change the fact he was having this conversation with a very large, intimidating guy, and he was being threatened on his own doorstep. Was this guy serious? That's when he noticed Randy's cell phone was recording, and he was not impressed. And up until then, it was a fairly normal, non-aggressive conversation. Then, just like that, the man snapped. And at that point, he just went sideways. Whipped up his shirt, pulled out a 45, slid the action back, 
put it to my forehead and pulled the trigger. And Thanks for listening to this sneak peek from episode two of Crime Beat. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe for free now at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.